listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we're going to hear a message from our congressional care pastor, Aaron Caton. Tonight, we're going to be talking out of Acts chapter 20. Fire. Uh, verses 7 one, and through 12. So if you would, stand with me for the reading of God's word tonight. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continue his speech unto midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with his sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him, and embracing him, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again, and had broken bread, and eaten, and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive, and were not a little comforted. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come together tonight, Lord God, and we are worshiping you in spirit and truth, Lord God. Father, it is a blessing to bless you with song, Lord God, with praise, Lord God. And Father, right now, we just want to open up our ears and our hearts that your word, Lord God, will continue to cleanse us and purify us, Lord God. Father, I pray that they would receive it. I pray that I would give it the way that you fed it to me, Lord God. I ask your blessing and your anointing upon it in the name of Jesus, and amen. You may be seated. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, I, I, I got stuck there on the first day of the week. I, I mean, it's the opening sentence, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together. What day of the week? They came together on the first day of the week. What's the difference between the Sabbath and the first day of the week? Anybody? I think as we've Americanized it, where it all fits in together as one day now, in America, but there's a difference in the Bible. In Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested. God rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. God worked then, God still works today, and listen, if you're not a worker, you need to become a worker because you, you need to get off your, off your couch and get a job and stop living off the system, amen, because God worked. He created things, and he created us, designed us to be in his image, and if he was a worker, that means that we should go out and work, amen? Amen. amen. In verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. God set the seventh day apart from other six days. God designed, think about this, God designed it and he created it for rest. How many of you rest on the Sabbath day? He created this day specifically for us to rest. How awesome is God that he would think so much of you and I that we need rest, Don. We need rest. Work six days, rest on the seventh, and you will be blessed, right? The seventh was ordained by God for man. It's a special covenant. God made a day of rest for you and I. In Mark 2, verse 27 and 28, Jesus is talking. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man 
and not man for the Sabbath. Again, Jesus is reiterating what the Father has said in the beginning of time. Jesus is saying it again. I've created the day of rest for you. You were not created, right? But I made that day specifically for you. He then says, therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. What has taken place is, is that he's working on the Sabbath, and they have a problem. The Pharisees have made it a ritual, a law, that you shouldn't be doing these things. But he's Lord over every day of the week. And he's telling them, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the six days, Monday through Saturday. I'm the Lord of every day, right? Deuteronomy 5 and 14. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who's within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. The Sabbath, the seventh day, if it is observed to rest. God will bless you a hundredfold. I look at Chick-fil-A and I, I worked there and I can tell you that they made more money because they rested, they took a day off. And before society, to my understanding, we used to have a blue day. I don't remember what it was called because it was before my time, but we used to shut down on Sundays. The whole United States of America used to shut down so that we could have a day of rest and families could be together. But we're so busy nowadays that we've stopped taking what God has created for us. He created a day of, to reflect, a day of refreshing, and we've given that up. We've offered up our peace and our rest. The first day of the week was to celebrate the resurrection and the finished work of Christ in his victory over death, hell, and the grave. Mark 16, verses 1, 2, and 9. And when the Sabbath was passed, what day's passed? The Sabbath was passed. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. Verse 9, and when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. Listen, they came seeking Jesus. They came seeking the one they loved. They came seeking the one that was despised and rejected. They came seeking the one who bore our griefs. They came seeking the one who carried our sorrows. They came seeking the one that was wounded and by whose stripes were healed. They came seeking the one who was bruised for our iniquities. They came, they came looking for the lamb that was led to the slaughter. They came looking for the one that took our sins, that died on a cross, and that was placed in a tomb. They came looking for a body. They came looking for a man named Jesus. They came looking, but what they found on the first day of the week was an empty tomb and a risen Savior. Amen? They found nothing there. Glory to God. He was risen up on the first day of the week. The Sabbath and the first day of the week, we've kind of joined them together, Americanized them, but they're a little bit different when I read Scripture. The Sabbath was made for rest, and the first day of the week, we're to celebrate our risen Savior. We're to come together and worship the King of Kings. Whenever the, whenever the, the crew comes out here to worship the worship team, man, we shouldn't need a cheerleader. We should understand it's the first day of the week that we should come into the house of God and just be prepared to raise up holy hands. Do you remember what he has done for you? Do you remember where he's drawn you out of? Do you remember? Have you grown so stale in your walk with the Lord that you forgot about the darkness that he called you out of? Have you forgot about the financial blessing that he gave you? Have you forgotten 
the time that he healed you? Have you forgotten about the marriage he restored? Have you forgotten about the child that he saved? Have you forgot about the prodigal that he brought home? The first day of the week is to come to the house of the Lord and to celebrate God's greatness and God's goodness. Amen? Amen. We come to celebrate because he's alive and he sits at the right hand of the Father. Our Redeemer lives and we come to celebrate the first day of the week in the house of the Lord. We come to fellowship together. If we go back to that, go back to that verse, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, they came together to break bread. Paul preached unto them, ready to part on the morrow, and continues his speech unto midnight. Man, he's long-winded. Look at your neighbor and say, he's long-winded. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. Listen, Paul's been traveling, and he has been preaching the gospel, and he has been, he spent seven days with them. And it's the first day of the week, and he comes back together. He comes back refreshed, and he's ready to continue to preach to the brothers. They're having fellowship. They're worshiping. He's, he's giving the word. Paul's leaving tomorrow, so he's trying to preach as much as he can, as hard as he can, as long as he can, to encourage the brothers to continue to walk for the Lord. Listen, there's many in the room. It says that there's many lights in the upper chamber. So I'm guessing that's a packed house because you don't need a lot of lights unless there's a lot of people, right? Because you want to see people's faces. We don't know what time this meeting started, but Paul has a word for him, and Paul's been preaching for a long time. Verse 9, and there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Man, they're in a mansion. He fell from the third loft. But think about this. He's starting to fall asleep. And, and, and I can remember when moms come up a few times and, and mom started nodding off. It wasn't nothing against the pastor's message, right? It's just she's a little bit older, right? This is a young man. But he st she started falling off and we're always looking at each other, giggling. And, you know, we start tapping her with an elbow and she shakes her life, you know, comes back to life. And, you know, she's like, I wasn't sleeping. I was just resting my eyes. You know, this is a young man. We don't know how young he is. Age isn't given. He might even be young in his faith and, and young in his walk. He may be a baby Christian. But as the word is being spoken and being taught, this young man falls asleep. But I, I see, I, I have a problem with him falling asleep because I imagine what Paul is preaching and teaching is great things. I imagine that he's teaching about his salvation. I, I, I can imagine that he's starting out, men and, and women, whoever's there, you ought, to, you ought to understand where I come from. I used to be Saul, but, but the Lord God has changed me. I was on the way to Damascus because I persecuted the church. I, I penalized the church. I was the one who drugged, who drugged the Christians out, and I took them back to be slain, to be hung. I'm the guy who did this, but I, I, there was a bright light that knocked me off my high horse and I fell to the, line, to the ground and I said, Lord, what would you have of me? And then the Lord spoke to me and said, why do you persecute me? I mean, you're going to suffer great things from me, for my ministry. And he went and he was blinded and a man met him there and, and Ananias and God used him and, and the blindness came off of him and I came unto salvation that day. I can imagine that he's telling the goodness of God, the working of miracles through Peter. Peter was in this city called Lydia and we're in Acts chapter 9 and there was, there was a certain man that was there and his name was, was Enos and he was, he was eight years with palsy. Eight years with palsy. But Peter walks in and Peter says to, to Enos, he says, Jesus Christ makes thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And I, I was reading over that again today and I said, Lord, honestly, I got ripped inside. I said, what's the difference in the anointing that Peter has 
Why can't I just look at somebody and say, Lord, make them arise in Jesus' name. What's, what is it that I'm lacking? Where is my hunger? I'm starting to question my own self because I want to be able to, I want to be like Peter. I want to walk into the room, somebody that's been sick for a while, and just say, arise, make your bed and go home. That's what he's sharing. He's sharing Peter. Listen, and immediately he arose, this man Enos, he rose, and everybody at Lydia came to the Lord, all because of a miracle, all because of God's miraculous power, all because of the glory of the Lord was manifested. Everybody in the city came to salvation. Man, that's the God that we serve today. It's still God. Amen, we're still in Acts chapter nine. Peter travels to Joppa. And there was, a man, there was a woman named Tabitha, but she went by the name Dorcas. She was a servant. She's full of good works, the word tells me. She's a servant, and she makes coats and garments for everybody. She doesn't charge them for anything. She sews, she stitches, and she blesses people. That's, that's her servanthood. That's what she does unto the Lord. But she got sick, and she died. And the people of the town, they're weeping and they're mourning and they come to Peter, you gotta help her. You gotta do something. It baffles me, but they heard a story that, that this man spoke a word over Enos and he was completely made whole. It doesn't tell me that they went to the Lord. They say they, they went to Peter, begging, do something, do something. And he goes in and you know what he does first? He gets on his hands and his knees and he prays. He prays. He gets rid of everybody just in case there's any unbelief. Any doubt in the room, he gets rid of all of them. He gets down on his knees. He's not even facing her is what the word tells me. He gets down and he prays. And then he gets up and he says to Tabitha, arise. And she sits up and her eyes open. I can just imagine the teaching that Paul's going through that it is not boring, that it's exciting. I don't know about you, but I start reading all these miracles. It starts firing me up inside because I know that God is still able to do miracles. I know that he's able to still restore. I know that he's able to replenish. I know that he's able to restructure. I know that he's able to rejuvenate and make whole those that are sick in the name of Jesus. Amen? Acts 10, God sends Peter to Cornelius. Listen, this is no big deal. You're thinking Cornelius, but you're not going to believe this. He's a Roman centurion. That's crazy. This man is devoted. To, did you hear me? He's a Roman captain, and God is sending him to somebody that's a Gentile. It's crazy. This Cornelius is devoted to God, though. He's a Roman soldier. Devoted to God. Are you hearing me, ladies and gentlemen, in this room? And Paul is speaking about Peter. He's telling him, you got to be on fire. Listen, this man was on fire and is a Gentile, and he fears God. I love the next part. And he ties to the church. And the next part's even better. He prays always. And an angel of the Lord visited Cornelius, and he tells him to send servants to Joppa. Go find this man, Peter. And it's the same time, the next day, about the same hour, God has given Peter a vision about eating unclean things, and God's vision is about preaching to the Gentiles. And Peter gets done with his vision, and he's questioning the Lord, how am I supposed to, to eat unclean things? How am I supposed to eat these things that, that you tell me is not lawful? And the Lord just tells him, he says, shh, be quiet, rest in me. The vision's over. The door, there's a knocking. There's servants at the door. 
and they come and they say, hey, my master was given a vision. An angel of the Lord came to him and we're supposed to come and get you and we're supposed to bring you back to, to my master's house. And, and Peter says, I'll be right with you. Let me get my bag. And, and they travel down to Cornelius' house and, and he goes in and he says to him, he says, Cornelius, this is unlawful. You're not a Jew, but my God spoke to me that I am to speak the truth to you. Yeah. Whoo, take that with you this week. My God has spoke to me that I'm supposed to speak the truth to you. Share Jesus with somebody. Share what he's done for you because that's what Peter's about to do. He's about to walk in a house and just share Jesus with them. He goes, and he goes in and he says, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter if you're beautiful, ugly. It doesn't matter who you are. You're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter the struggles that you're in or the high mountain that you're on. God's no respecter of person. God loves you. God came seeking and saving those which are lost. And if you're a sinner, you need the grace of God to come into your life. You need to accept him tonight. The vision was Paul, was Peter preaching the gospel to him. Peter says, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. And Peter preached Jesus. He preached the miracles of Jesus. He preached the cross. He preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Cornelius and his whole family believed on Jesus and were saved and baptized. Whoo, glory to God. Just think, if we open up our mouth and we allow God to just speak through us, we might bring somebody to heaven with us. Right. What a reward that will be. Huh? What a reward that will be, Kim. Whenever you look at somebody that you got and you brought them to salvation and you walk through the gates and you're like, man, I am so glad that you are here. I wasn't, I didn't know for sure, but I was hoping. And you walk in and you see that face of smiling and they're just in the presence of the Lord with you. What a day of rejoicing, huh? What a day of rejoicing. Acts 12, how could Paul not tell them about Peter being in jail? God sent an angel to, to Peter and he woke him up. He's shaking him, he's shaking him. But Peter's in this deep sleep, so he smacks him on the face. He wakes him up. He says, it's time to go. And he opens up every jail cell. And he opens up the gate of the prison and he walks. And there's a church that's praying for Peter. There's a church, there's a house full of people praying for him. And he walks to the house and he knocks on the door. And one of the little girls comes down and answers Oh, it's Peter and runs back and tells them, hey, Peter's at the door. And they're like, shh, we're praying to God that Peter will come home. We're praying to God that Peter, no, you're not listening. Peter's at the door. Shh, little girl, shh, we're praying to, even the church couldn't believe that, that Peter's at the door because God can do the miraculous, but all we got to do is get on our hands and our knees, get on our face and just start praying and asking God to do something and he'll move mountains. Paul says, you're not going to believe this. I share that Peter about I shared that story about Peter with you in the prison. But Silas and I, we're in the prison and it's after midnight and we're singing. We're singing unto the Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy is the name of the Lord. And about that time, the prison doors swing wide open and we're just standing there in awe and shock of God's glory. We're like, what has happened? And the jailer's down there trying to find the light and we hear him wrestling around and, and we hear him keep wrestling around we don't know what's going on. But we yell down there and say, we're all still here. The jailer's about to take his life. But Silas and I, with a thankful heart, hey, we said, none of us have left. We're all still here. We're all here. 
And the jailer comes down and he goes, man, I've heard you singing all night long. What is this Jesus about? What are you so thankful for? And they share the gospel of Jesus and this jailer and his whole family get saved. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. Paul speaking, he says, myself, he says, I was preaching Jesus. And this sorcerer came up, it's in Acts 13. And this sorcerer came up and he was against me. The adversary of the devil was up against me himself. But I was unctioned in my Holy Spirit. See, I, I don't understand what I got to do because I want to get the anointing like Peter and Paul have. I do, I'm serious. I, I want to get where I can speak a word because he spoke the word. The unction of the Holy Spirit came up on him and he said, I said, you child of the devil, thou shalt be blind. And darkness came up on his eyes and he couldn't see anymore. I want to get anointing and I want you to get the anointing upon you where you can speak a word. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. And watch the miraculous take place. Not in our lives, but to be used for the glory of the Lord in other people's lives to where salvation takes places in families, in cities, in cities, in communities, in school buildings. I just want to see God's salvation take place in our lives all over this nation. Amen. All over. Oh, the power of God is so good. Right. Huh? He's our protector. He's our, he's our defender. Yeah. He's our provider. The Lord has even started using us to plant churches in other cities. We held a revival at Ephesus, and many believed and changed their ways. They burned up their books of witchcraft. They burnt their idols. The Spirit of the Lord drew them and changed them. Man, can you imagine being in that upper room and just hearing these stories of God's goodness, the miraculous have taken place? How's it making you feel? Because whenever I was reading it, I was on fire. I was getting filled up. I hope that you're getting filled up. I hope that it's encouraging you tonight. He's still preaching and sharing the wonderful works of the Lord when this young man, Eutychus, been there all day, hearing all the goodness of God, falls asleep. You know, some of them probably giggled a little bit as he fell out that window. Eutychus fell out the window. Paul didn't want that kid to fall asleep. Mm. Jesus doesn't want us to fall asleep. Jesus took the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has Peter, James, and John with him. Matthew 26, verses 39 through 41, verse 43 and 45. Jesus is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. And he went a little further and he fell on his face. This is the Savior. Savior of the world. Did you hear what he did? He fell on his face and prayed. Shoo. We all need to take note. Saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, we learned last week, nevertheless, not what I think, not what I feel. As you will. As you will, Lord God. In verse 40, and he cometh unto the disciples and finding them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He comes back the second time, verse 43, and he came and he found them asleep again, and their eyes were heavy. He comes back the third time, verse 45, then cometh he to his disciples and say unto them, sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. These four men... Peter, James, John, Eutychus physically fell asleep. They were physically exhausted. Ministry will do that to you. It will. It will exhaust you. There's no lie. That's why God made a day of rest for us to recover. 
When we sleep spiritually, though, the adversary of the devil comes in. We've heard it time and time again, and he's hoping that we will betray the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And you say, I'll never betray him. I'll never do anything foolish. But we look at Judas, one of the 12 disciples. It was very easy for him to sell him for 30 pieces of silver. And then the conviction of the Lord got all over him, and he took that silver back, and he threw it back to him and said, I want no part of this. The blood of Jesus was already on his hands. We look at Peter. Peter, what? You couldn't watch him pray with me for one hour. He warned him, you're going to fall into, the Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Peter denied him three times. Jesus warned them all three. Peter, James, and John, stay awake, pray so you're spiritually strong. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We know from the parable of sorrow that the devil comes to steal the word. Even if that seed is sown on good soil, don't think that the devil isn't coming to your front porch to steal that seed. Because if you get a hold of it and you get it ingrained in you, you might be able to speak a word and somebody rises up from palsy. If you get that seed and it sticks in that good soil, you might get a little bit more authority inside of you in Jesus' name. The devil comes to steal that word. He's out to destroy the believer's belief. He's to kill your faith. He's out to steal your peace and your joy. If you're strong in your faith, and I hope that everybody is, if you're strong in your faith, he may only harm you. He may only discourage you. But his main agenda, no matter what, is to devour us. His main agenda is to destroy us. And Jesus warned, watch and pray. That was in 1 Peter 5 and 8, to be sober, to be vigilant. And if anybody can give advice, it would be Peter, right? Because he denied him three times. Peter says, be sober. Guess what that means? Literally, it means to stay free, clear and clean from intoxicating influences. Not just alcohol. Keep your mind and your body from things that leads us away from God. Peter wasn't drunk. Peter was at a fire pit. Aren't you one of those disciples? Aren't you one of his men? No, no, I'm not. He got around intoxicating influence where he denied Christ. Not just once, but three times. We got to be careful. Peter says be vigilant. That means to keep awake. A vigilant person is someone that is alert and watchful, keeping a lookout for danger. You got to look out. For danger. You look out for danger for your children all the time. You make sure the, 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 the outlets are covered, that, that the socket covers are on there so they won't stick your finger in it. It's the same thing for you and I. We got to guard ourselves. We got to look over ourselves that we don't do anything foolish. Keeping a lookout for danger. Be watchful of what could affect our hearts and our minds. Be sober and be vigilant. They both mean to watch. Keep a watch over our lives to guard our hearts. The devil wants to destroy our trust with the Lord and with each other. He wants to destroy our hope in the Lord. The devil wants to destroy our relationship with God. Listen, and I used Peter last week, how he came back to Jesus. No matter where we're at in our walk with the Lord, you may be sitting here tonight and you may be like, I don't even know why I'm here. But none of us 
None of us. If Peter can be reinstated and continues discipled to become an apostle, every single one of us, all we have to do is ask for forgiveness of sins and come back to the cross, place of exchange, take the forgiveness, walk out in that new relationship, and don't go back. That's what God's asking us to do. When Eutychus fell out the window, many were troubled. Why did this happen? And Paul said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. Listen, he's physically asleep, but he's spiritually alive. How could you not be spiritually alive after hearing the testimonies through the book of Acts? How could you not be spiritually just on fire right now going, whoo, man, that was good. That was good. That was the word of God speaking to me tonight. It wasn't Pastor Aaron. That's the truth of the word that was coming straight at you. Verse 10, and Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourself. For his life is in him. Everybody else is troubled. Everybody else is convinced he's dead. But one person said, his life is in him. And Paul falls on Eutychus and his life returns. The wonder-working power of God. If we draw closer to God, God only knows the plan that he has for you. He knows your future and it's all for his glory. Paul, like Elijah, like Elijah, fell on the kid and life returned to him. Listen, don't worry about yourselves because God has resurrected us from darkness, from death to life. Now we have to guard ourselves, right? We don't have to, we don't have to worry about eternal life because we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We gotta continue to press in, continue to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Stay connected to the Savior, amen? In closing tonight, listen, they take him back upstairs. They give thanks, they break bread, and with excitement, Paul preaches until dawn. Verse 12 says, filled with enormous joy, they took the boy home alive, and everyone was encouraged. I pray tonight that this word has encouraged you to go out this week. I pray that you understand that God made a day of rest for you, but I, under- I hope you understand that the first day of the week is to come together to fellowship with like-minded individuals and worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God Almighty who come and saved your life. Listen, I pray that it's an encouraging word that God does miracles. And I pray that it encourages that God is not a respecter of person, that he came and seek to save all those which are lost, and you are his mouthpiece. You are the hands and feet. It ain't just pastor's job. It ain't just Scotty's job. It ain't just crystals. I can keep going down the roads. Every single one of us have a purpose, and if nothing else, if you don't believe in nothing else, it is to share Jesus Christ with somebody that you know is lost in the world. It is to continue to walk in this lifestyle knowing that your character represents the Christ who saved your life. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged. Jesus loves you. Treat every day like it's the first day of the week. Remember how much on fire you were when you gave yourself to Christ Jesus unto salvation? Huh? I can remember the guy at work telling me, man, you went from hell to heaven overnight on fire, changed, renewed, restructured, made whole. Can't even explain it. Got down a sinner, came up a savior, saved, came up a saint. So keep the fire, share the fire, share Jesus, share his love and what he's done for you with other people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Let's let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If you're here tonight 
and this word has touched you in any way, I'd encourage you to come. Man, I, I, worship was awesome. Everybody's down here raising hands and singing unto God. Well, look, guess what? It's still a part of worship. It's where we come back and we say, God, thank you. Thank you for that encouraging word tonight. Thank you for putting a new heart inside of me. Come back and say, Lord, help me to have that boldness to speak about you and how you changed my life. I encourage you believers to come tonight. As Pastor Kerry just plays, as Adam plays, I just encourage you. If there's one here tonight that's never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, is there one? Listen, I had a memorial service on Thursday for my 61-year-old brother. Had a heart attack just like that and going. The good thing is he knew Jesus. But if there's one here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd ask you to raise that hand and allow us to pray a prayer with you. Is there one? Is there one? Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 